Thank you. I feel like that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> um, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, it's not. I've, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, I'm super excited to be up here. Actually, I always find it such a privilege when um, a church will allow you to speak from their pulpit, and so the fact that. Um, our leaders uh, trusted me enough to get up here with my crazy and wild, wacky ways that makes me feel really good. Um, I don't. Who follows uh, Futures Youth on Facebook? Yeah. Can I? If you have Facebook, and you know, if you're older, get someone to get Facebook on your computer, because some of the photos these guys have been posting lately are so inspirational. I saw one from just the other week and they've got a group of young people that are up the front being prayed for and you can just tell that the intensity that God is bringing to our youth is huge and amazing. And I'm so proud of you guys for what you're doing. So just, just know that as a church, we're here and we're backing you guys up because we love what you're doing. I just felt like that needed to be said because these guys are awesome. They're the future of this church, you know. Once we're long gone, it's them and their future that's going to hold this church together. So let's keep following them. All right. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about wandering around in the desert. Okay. Um, That's literally what I called it. I couldn't think of anything cool. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I was trying to, I've been watching a lot of Fresh Prince lately And so I was like, you know, we're all chilling out, max and relax and all cool out in the desert. Just doesn't go, doesn't fit on my page. So it's called Wandering in the Desert. Um, And I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like you're walking around with no purpose? I've gone through that. Do you ever feel like you've lost sight of all the goals in your life? You had goals, you'd set them, you hadn't reached them. So now you're just walking around aimlessly. Sometimes you feel like you're like a dog that's chasing its own tail. You're going round and round in circles and you're like, what? Why can't I catch this thing? What's going on? You know, you can see that big picture right in front of you. You feel like it's taunting you. And you just feel like you can't reach it. I want to talk to you guys today and just say, don't stress out over it. We all feel this way at times and uh, let's be honest, even if you do catch a goal, you're going to feel that way at some point in your life again. That's just how life is sometimes. We go through aimless, purposeless moments where we we feel that way, not that we're purposeless because we're not. Um... The truth is that God has a plan for each and every one of us and we read it in his word constantly. You know, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. And then, um, you know, we read in Hebrews 12. Sorry, this one's on my phone, so I've got to get it sorted. Um, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our our faith. 
Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. That's sort of the encouragement that God gives us in our purpose in life, right? And he's talking about this endurance race. And I'm not like Pastor Gary. I don't like to run. All right? So I'm like, I don't want to look at it like an endurance race. Has anyone watched um, The Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix? No? It's new. You've got to catch it. It's awesome. Um, basically, it's all these people that have trained for years. Like, one of them was, like, an ice climber, okay? Like, he climbs up ice cliffs and stuff. Anyway, basically, they go through this obstacle course, kind of like Wipeout, but way more brutal, all right? And basically, they are, like, jumping from one cliff to another, like, grabbing hold of things, having to drag themselves up. And that's sort of what I feel like. Not that, I'm not saying that I could ever do that. Trust me. Look at me. I can't do that. I've got no muscle at all. But that's how I see this endurance race being. I've got to train and I've got to equip myself so I can grip onto the things of God as I pull myself back up constantly, constantly going through each obstacle, trusting in him and knowing that I've trained myself in him, knowing that I can tackle each obstacle. And we talk about... um, We talk about ourselves in such a negative way sometimes. We talk ourselves out of this amazing future that we have. You know, we we talk about like, you know, oh, we've got busy lifestyles and I'm raising a family and we don't think that God's plan can actually involve us. You know, we, we don't believe that we can do everything and that, you know, God's plan has to come second in our life. But those are just excuses that we uh, use and usually they are covering up our true feelings about ourselves. So that's, that's the top layer excuse that we use. Oh, my family, I can't do it, I'm so busy. That's not the real issue there. In Joshua 5 verse 6, it says, The Israelites had travelled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle, they were left um, once they died, like they had to die, basically. Because... The Israelites had been bad. They were disobeying, like disobeying God. They had bad attitudes about leaving Egypt. And so God was like, all right, well then no, you don't get to claim this promised land that I've promised you. And see, just like them, we get discouraged and we get disappointed in ourselves when we're not moving forward. And so what is it that holds us back from walking in God's purpose? What what is it that's making us wander around and around in circles? And today I've written down four reasons um, that have actually held me back in my own life. Um, And I want to share them with you because I feel like um, if if you're ever going through these sorts of things, it's good to know that you're not alone. It's good to know that you're not a weirdo. It's good to know that you're not isolated. Um, Because we all struggle and we all stumble. And um, God is so gracious and he's so forgiving. um, And he's always willing to help us out and get us through. So 
don't stress, but this is what I've been through in my own life. So my first reason um, that we hold ourselves back is the fear of the unknown. It's scary. (laughs) You see, fear paralyzes us and it stops us dead in our tracks. We can't move forward and we can't see what our future could be because it seems clouded, it's hazed over and it's that fear that brings the clouds in. And so because we can't see what's in front of us, we start to make excuses even though we haven't even made a step towards it yet. Um, See, even after all the miracles that the Israelites saw during, you know, all those plagues, you know, there's some pretty trippy stuff that happened. I've got to say, like, if that just happened naturally, you'd be like, what? No. But it was God that was doing these things. And he was showing how powerful and, you know, how much he cared for them by doing these things. But even though they'd seen all that, um, they still had these moments of complete fear that would stop them dead in their tracks. Um, In Exodus 14, verse 10 to 12, it reads, As Pharaoh approached, so this is when they're sort of like camping out by the Red Sea, um, and Pharaoh is like heading their way to come and kill them all. Alright, so he's coming over the hill, and the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out to the wilderness to die? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done? Why did you make us leave Egypt? I mean, really, no one made them leave. It was their decision. But they were scared. And it's amazing how when you get scared, all of a sudden these excuses come flying out your mouth without you even realising what you're saying. And so when we read this though, we go, oh, Israelites are so ungrateful, you know, here's God saving them and all they can do is complain. But when I was reading this the other day, inside I was like, you know what, I know exactly how they feel. Not exactly how they feel, because obviously I've never been overrun by an Egyptian army before, but I know that feeling of being paralysed and in such fear and not knowing where I'm supposed to be going. Because, I mean, basically they felt cornered. And you know how they say, like, if there's a snake, don't corner it because it, like, rears up and, like, attacks? That's how they felt. They reared up and they just... at Moses with all these excuses and all these accusations because they were scared. All right, so I've been here before. So I had just started working after being a mum for six years and um, I, was, I was excited. I, w- I was really happy. I felt pretty proud of myself. Just got a job again. All right, working lady. And um, it was the same job that I had done before I'd had Ethan. So I sort of knew the ropes. Um, I, you know, knew the computer system. So that came back really easy. And I knew all the Harvey Norman lingo. And I, so I felt comfortable. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And um, I felt right at home. And after about a month of working there, my boss calls me up and he's like, oh, just wondering if you want to become the operations manager. And 
all right, I'm on the phone. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Sure, no worries. And um, that Sunday beforehand, this is why our declarations are super important. The Sunday beforehand, we'd been uh, declaring, you know, um, promotions and more hours and, you know, wages and, you know, all that sort of thing. And um, Luke and I had honestly been praying for extra hours because I was only working a couple of days and because we'd just moved to Mount Barker, it was a bit more expensive than Old Tail and Bend. And so we're like, okay, I need more hours so that that way we can live a little bit more comfortably, basically. And so um, this was God's way of providing for me. He's like, here you go, basically silver platter, take a promotion, why don't you? And I was thinking, okay, I can do that. And then I hung up the phone And I started to bawl my eyes out, just sobbing, just crying so hard. It was embarrassing. Um, And it wasn't because I was happy that God was providing for me. I was so scared. It's ridiculous. I was freaking out. You see, um, the job that I'm in now, it holds so much more responsibility than um, what I had. The workload was huge. I mean, basically, I had been just rocking up to work, standing there and smiling and taking people's money. This put me in charge of a lot of different things. And um, all of a sudden, I could already hear myself, my mind was ticking over, I'm not going to be able to learn everything. I'm not going to be able to do it all. I'm not even good at maths. Why is he even asking me? I'm not a businesswoman. How am I going to be able to, you know, talk with reps with, you know, business lingo? I'm like, I got nothing here, man. I'm I'm not going to be able to do this, basically. I'm like, I've only been back at work for a month and I don't know these people. How am I supposed to become their boss? Okay? My brain was at a million miles an hour with all these excuses of why I could not do this job. Um, And the biggest one for me was more time at work is going to mean less time with my boys. And that scared me. Because, you know what, after six years of being a full-time mum, that scared... (laughs) I was scared. And so I'd already started cancelling myself out of my future before I'd even... I'd literally just said yes. Come on, Hayley, what's wrong with you? You just said yes. You've not even tried yet. But here I am, cancelling myself out. And uh, so for two weeks... Uh, Because I didn't have to start for like two weeks. I was on the edge of calling up my boss every day saying, you got the wrong girl. I can't do this. This is ridiculous. The stress, I mean, it was real. It was real. It was up here. Um, And I'd been frozen by an unknown future and the fear of failing. And uh, I read in uh, Joshua 1 verse 9, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged and that was the word that I really took from there for the Lord is with you wherever you go I needed to encourage myself here I am discouraging myself how easy is it to discourage yourself oh my gosh it's so much easier to put words of negativity over your own life than empowering yourself but we need to be the other way around we need to empower ourselves and so God's amazing of course I decided after reading this, you know what, I'm going to trust you, God. Um, I'm going to believe in myself. 
And um, I'll be honest, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Um, The stress level was still fairly high. Uh, There was a lot of information that was being thrown at me in a very quick space of time. Basically, the lady that was leaving was, like, training me for three days before she was leaving. And then, basically, I had to learn it myself. It was tough. And um, I'm not going to lie, like, I still had moments of doubt. But I continued to um, put my trust in God and I would pray that God would give me an excitement for this job. Okay? When we have this fear of the unknown, the key to breaking through it is to ask God for the excitement. To ask God to uh, change the way you're looking at it, basically. See, after God replaced my fear with excitement, I was happy to go to work and I loved what I was doing. I started to become close with the people that I was working with and I was even able to start sharing God with them. And all of a sudden you realise this is the place that God has put me. There's a reason why he gave me this job in the first place. And you see, I had never looked at my workplace as my mission field, as you would call it. But now God had given me this excitement and I want to be there. I want to talk to these people. I want to share with them. And it changed my whole perspective and it opens up the future all of a sudden. It's not cloudy anymore. I can see myself in it. But I had to overcome that fear of the unknown first. You've got to know that God is in control and that his timing is perfect. He has got the dopest gold bling Rolex on his watch, uh, on his wrist. He's got the coolest watch and it has got the perfect timing. And you've got to trust that, you know, he's in control of all things. Okay? He propelled me into a future that I just couldn't see. The second reason that we hold ourselves back Um, is complacency Uh, and complacency is that feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try to make them better okay on my page you have to understand I've written warning warning dangerous territory warning warning because it really is it's such a dangerous place to be when you are so satisfied that you don't want to change anything about your life at all okay We can feel very comfortable and uh, we're happy to go on doing things day after day, just doing the same things, not having to push ourselves to try anything new. And, um, I mean, why try something new when the old is working so well? Hmm? That's, That's where we get to. And you can't tell me that after, you know, the first 10 years of the Israelites walking around in this desert that they're not, you know, going, okay, this is pretty pretty easy, you know, I'm walking around, I pitch my tent, I eat some manna, I sacrifice a cow, then we pull the tent down, we keep walking for a little while longer. And it's becoming natural. After 10 years, they got this thing down to an art form. One, two, put up your tent. Three, four, eat some manna. Five, six, sacrifice a cow. Precision. They got it. They got it under control. They know what they're doing. And after 30 to 40 years, a lot of these, you know, old guys have died off. And the people that we're left with are the ones that were born into the situation in the first place. And so it's the most natural thing on earth. They don't know any better. 
They think that life is one, two, put up your tent, three, four, sacrifice a cow, however it goes. That's, that's where they're at. They, it's a routine for them. It's their normal, everyday life. And that's where their issues started to arise. See, the problem with complacency is that you know that there's this big picture in store for you. And you know that God has got something awesome ready for you. Because he does. But you're so comfortable with where you're at at the moment, you think, mm, I don't know, God. This is, this is pretty cool what I'm doing right now. I don't, I don't have to go for more. I'm happy. I'm good. How many Israelites would have been even thinking about the promised land by the 35th year? They'd be like, promised land? Ah, oh, that's what my dad used to talk about all the time. It's never going to happen. And we sort of think about it in modern day terms, about like the early church, how excited and super passionate they lived and breathed God and, um, you know, Jesus returned because, I mean, they'd just seen him go up, so they were like, yeah, I'm ready for him to come back. And then here we are some, what, 2,000 plus years later, and it's like how many Christians these days constantly have that thought of, Jesus is coming back, I need to live and breathe his work and make sure that people are ready for his return. All right? This is where we're talking about complacency. See, we need to start getting motivated again. Uh, in Romans 12, from verse 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share God's people, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. See, God is um, telling us that we need to have this passion, we need to have this zeal for him, we need to, you know, be con- constantly motivated to, you know, talk to people about God, make sure people are, you know, make sure people aren't going hungry. It's all those things that, you know, are being the hands and feet of Jesus to the world, but doing it with such a passion and a motivation and being like totally pumped up and being like, yeah, this is happening. I'm going to give you some food because God loves you. You know, it's, it's that, you know, you know what, you need Jesus in your life. You know, it's getting excited again about those things. Now, it's going to seem really simple and probably not worth knowing, but I know what it's like to get complacent. And um, I've been on so many music teams in my life. Um, we've been to a couple of different churches and each time, you know, I rock up, try out for the music team, why not? And um, I had been a backup vocalist for a really long time and I loved it. Loved being the backup vocalist. It's great. No one looks at you. No one looks at you. Well, that's not true. People do actually look at you. That's for my music team. People look at you, all right? <laughs> but I felt like no one was looking at me because I wasn't center stage and I didn't have um, any of that responsibility of leading a church into worship. I was up there. I was singing. I was just having fun, you know, dancing in front of God, which I do. And um, I didn't have to put myself out there too much. And... Um, the problem was is that I knew that 
deep down in my heart, I knew God was calling me to worship lead. I knew it. Constantly pushed me at it and he's like, come on, Ailey, take a step. But I was like, no, I'm good. I like to worship. I just like being here on the side. And, um, you know, he put this really deep passion for worship into my life. Like, I sing in the car and I sing in the shower to him and I dance around the house with the boys and, you know, it's one of those, I suppose, a lifestyle thing for me and that's how I knew that God had put it into my life for a reason. But every time I would get asked to start off a song, I'd be like, no, I'm good. And uh, I didn't really want to do the solo thing. Um, and it wasn't because it scared me, because I'm going to be honest, it doesn't, it doesn't scare me. But I just was like comfortable with what I was doing. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good here on the side. I'll just clap my hands and dance around before God and I'm completely happy. Um, and so one day, one of the worship leaders at the church I was going to at the time, she's like, Hayley, I want you to do this solo thing this morning. And I was like about to say no. And then she started talking to me and really speaking encouragement into my life over the things that God had already placed in my heart and really confirmed things in my life. And so I really felt like I couldn't say no. And so, you know, I did the solo. I felt really good about it. But what really surprised me is how much God blessed me with it. And I don't know about you, but I find God's blessing really addictive. And so all of a sudden I found myself hoping to get a solo because I really wanted to start expanding what it was that God had put in my life. And um, my motivation level went from, I'm going to be honest, it was, it was honestly down here. And all of a sudden it was like up here. I knew that God had called me. I knew that I was supposed to do something. And why? It was because I'd started moving towards it and um, God had just... I don't know, there was something that changed. It was like this switch that went off in me. And all of a sudden, all I wanted to do was exactly what it was that God had called me to. You see, he wants to push us further. And he wants us to be motivated about it. He wants us to be so excited. I find that motivation is obviously the opposite to complacency. And so this is a thing, like these are the things we need to be asking God for. We need to be asking for excitement. We need to be asking for motivation. These are things that we need in our lives. The third reason that we hold ourselves back is past disappointment and negativity. Um, I find it strange that our minds go straight to negative things and I think that that has a lot to do with you know Adam and Eve sin entering the world um, and so with that comes negativity and so that's I don't know it's sort of like our default setting um, and it doesn't matter what God has provided or what is broken through or what is changed for us we can still we look at the past disappointments in our lives, rather than those things that God has actually done for us. Um, And the Israelites were constantly looking at the things that they didn't have and um, they would constantly look at the things that they had lost 
because they'd left Egypt. And again, on my page, I've written complain, 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 because that's all I ever did. See, negativity is infectious. All it takes is one. Just by being around people who are negative can put you in a bad mood. I can remember Luke was working for... um, He's a lovely gentleman, but he was super negative about everything. And he would... Like, Luke would come home at the end of every day and he would just be in this terrible mood because all he'd heard all day was this guy complaining. So then Luke would come home and all he would do was complain to me. And then I'd have kids complaining and then I'd get in a bad mood. Everyone was in this really, you know, storm cloud covered mood all the time. And that's where, that's what the um, Israelites were like. Basically, it was like a camp of bad negativity storm cloud moving along in the desert. And um, Exodus 16, verse 3, this is, this is one of the things that they were having a whinge about and I had to laugh when I read it. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread that we wanted and now you've brought us out to the wilderness to starve to death. This is when God is providing manna for them, by the way. God's providing for them on a daily basis and they have all the manna that they can eat in the world. But you know what? Apparently that's not good enough for them because it's not meat and it ain't bread. They wanted their carbs and they wanted their protein. That's right. But I don't know what's in manna. Let's be honest. None of us do. I'm sure that God was giving them all the nutrients that they needed to keep them sustained. But no, they were just super dramatic not caring about what God's providing. They just wanted their, you know, big steak sandwich. (laughs) And you know what? We need to come to this understanding that God loves us so much. Um, In Romans 8 verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. When we're walking in our purpose, we, we tend not to look at those things, those past disappointments, because we're so focused on what God's doing in the now rather than what we're missing out on. Um, I was very excited to become a new mum when I had Josiah. It was the best thing that had ever happened to me. And I loved being a mum. It was an amazing experience. And so naturally, I wanted to expand my family. And I was like, yeah, let's do number two. And uh, Luke was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and so I, it, I, I think we tried for about a month and I'd gotten pregnant again. I was like, all right, we're good at this. <laughs> oh, snap. Um, But three months in, we had just told everyone, um, you know, that we were pregnant, showing them our scans, and um, we'd heard the baby's heart beating, and it was all very exciting. Um, And then I had the most horrific night of my entire life, where I just had massive bleeding, and we ended up losing our baby. One day I'm sitting in the doctor's office 
hearing my baby's heartbeat and literally the next day it was it was gone it was it was the most painful thing i've ever been through not just physically because let me tell you that it, it hurt and it was very painful but it's the most emotionally raw um, it's one of the most emotionally raw times I think that I've had in my life. I've had a couple now, but this one was extremely bad. And the doctors told me, you know, you're going to have to be really careful the next time you go to get pregnant because, you know, once you've had a miscarriage, sometimes it can be hard to get pregnant again. And so all of a sudden I just kept thinking about all these negative things and about how, like, okay, it's going to be hard this time. I'm going to have trouble. And I, I actually started telling myself these things because that's what... You, you trust your doctors, you know. And, I mean, I don't think that he was trying to make me feel this way or anything like that. He was just letting me know the facts. And the facts became my reality. And, um, and so I was so focused on the negative that um, it took us a little bit longer to get pregnant the next time and so obviously I was starting to stress myself out and I was like oh my goodness but when I finally did get pregnant I was cautious about everything and I you know basically I'd, it was like I'd wrapped myself in like that cotton wool or you know the bubble wrap you know I was like don't touch me you know and um, I hit three months and we were excited, obviously, told everyone that I was pregnant. And I started having bleeding again. And I went into this downward spiral. I was like, oh, my goodness, it's happening again. What am I going to do? This time, it wasn't the same. Um, and it wasn't, like, the bleeding was not as bad as it had been the first time. And it seemed to be going for a really long time. I think it was about three or four weeks and I was still bleeding. And so I went, like I'd been to the doctors a few time and, times and basically they just kept saying, look, this baby is threatening to miscarry. And I was just like, okay, extra bubble wrap for me. Don't do anything. And I had a friend that um, came over to my house because she knew that I was scared and she just started to, she had this book and it was literally just the promises of God. And so she just sat in front of me as I was bawling my eyes out. We had worship music on and I'm just sitting there and she just started reading promise after promise after promise after promise over my life. And I went to a couple of services uh, where I would just bawl my eyes out and uh, I would just like get caught up in like, you know, the bridges of these songs. Like nothing is impossible for God. He can do all things. You know, God loves me. He lo and she, you know, we just started praying the promises of God over this child. And um, having that experience... Um, it, it was really full on. I, I ended up having a very super healthy baby. That's Ethan. He was big. Okay. He turned out good. And um, I believe that's, of course, all God. But um, having the experience that I had and going through those moments even though I was, you know, negative and all I could think about was past disappointments, you know, just constantly referring back to, you know, having a miscarriage, that sort of thing. 
going through all this has made it so easy for me to talk to women that are going through the exact same thing. God's given me a story, um, I think, like, because it says here that God makes all things for good, for your purpose, okay? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, God made me have a miscarriage. He certainly did not. That was just what happened. That was my life. That's just how things went down. But he has turned horrific, painful, terrible memories into something that I can share with women and can help them through their situations and be able to comfort because I know what they're going through, okay? God turns all things for good. You see, our disappointments, they don't have to hold us back. And the negativity that people speak over us, because let me tell you, it doesn't just have to be you that speaks negativity into your own life. You get so much of it from the outside world. People speak negativity into your life. Why? Because they're jealous or um, because, you know, they want to hold you back or, may, you know, sometimes they're doing it without even realising it. They've got no motive. They're just talking negatively because maybe that's how they are naturally. That's how they are. They're just negative people. People will speak negativity over your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to to stick to us it doesn't have to cling we don't have to hold on to that God has already taken that on the cross for us oh he's so good he's so good we have to realize that God loves us and he turns all things for good okay um the fourth thing that can hold us back and this one's a tough one but it is self-doubt yeah I said it. I put it out there. Self-doubt. Majority of people don't reach their full potential due to self-doubt. We don't believe that God's call and purpose can apply to us because we lack confidence in our abilities. Doubt is truly at the core of each of the things that I've talked about today that hold us back um, because it's personal. It's what we're telling ourselves. It's when we tell ourselves that we're not worthy. It's when we tell ourselves that we are hopeless. It's when we tell ourselves that we're too stupid and not clever enough. Um, and, and it's when we tell ourselves that we're not going to ever amount to anything, that we just can't. We just can't do it because we just can't, you know. And even now, just saying it, pretty brutal let's be honest when you talk about yourself like that it's the things that we say about ourselves that completely contradict everything that God says about us that's self-doubt you see in John verse 1 12 to 13 it says but to all who believe him And accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. We are renewed, we are born again, and we are children of God. Psalm 139 uh, verse 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You know what? God is not making no trash. Let me tell you that. He's not making anything that's unworthy. Does sin make us 
Unworthy, yes, but Jesus makes us whole and he makes us completely worthy, okay? <laughs> Ephesians verse 3, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your, gro- your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. That is who we are. That is who we are. We have this loving and kind, compassionate saviour who um, allows us to do anything in his, like using his authority. We just need to shake off our own self-doubt. Have a shake. What, am I the only one that's doing this? Fine, I'll do it and I'll be proud of myself. We need to shake off our own self-doubt and tap into the authority of Christ that's available to us and begin to use the gifts that he's given to us. Now, uh, it might surprise you, but I'm actually not perfect. I felt more of a, no, that's not true, should have happened right there, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, I, I go through immense moments of self-doubt. I'm like everyone else. We all have those moments. Um, And I'm going to be honest, like this is fresh self-doubt right here. Even preparing this message, I went through massive amounts of self-doubt. I really did. I was given this opportunity to talk to you guys and share with you a little bit about my life and how it can help you out. But in my mind, I'm going... Hayley, you're a singer, you're not a speaker, you know, what what am I going to say that's going to be relevant? Or, you know, you haven't read your Bible enough this week, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) self-doubt will come at you like a spear being chucked right at your heart and you, oh, it's so personal. What am I telling myself? Why am I telling myself these things? When God has called me and he knows who I am, Doubt, it's a purpose killer. Can I just tell you, the only way to break through self-doubt is through self-declaration. And not talking about yourself as in self-declaration, I'm awesome, I'm good, God is good. God has called me. It is about declaring yourself through his name. Am I right? See, once you start constantly speaking God's promises over yourself, same way as, you know, when I was struggling with my pregnancy, you start to speak into your dreams and you start to speak into, um, you know, the things that you're unsure of, you know. One of the things that I like to do is I like to shout out the names of who God is and the things that he can do in my life especially when I'm nervous or um, when I'm having those moments of self-doubt. And um, here I've just written down a few. 
Abba Father, author of my life. Make it personal. He's the author of my life. Comforter, counsellor, deliverer, everlasting, faithful, father, healer, mediator, merciful, redeemer, refuge, shield, rock, guide, teacher, strength, salvation, wisdom, perfect, provider, victorious, unfailing, supernatural, compassionate and empowering. The thing is he calls you to the same. And um, as I have reached the end of my notes, I want to encourage you guys, don't just wander through life feeling aimless and purposeless. There's something that God has placed in your life. Deep down, you know what it is, and we all do. He's calling you to draw it out and to walk in it. And um, I don't know where each and every one of you stands in your relationship with God. No one can ever know how you feel and where you stand. But he's calling you for more this morning. Okay? Don't get complacent. Don't fill yourselves up with self-doubt. Don't think about past disappointments. Don't think about what you missed out on in the past. Don't put that negativity on you. But just begin to step out in the authority that God's given you. Start declaring these things over your life. He's powerful. He's awesome. He's amazing. And he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And he's calling you for more. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me share. Could we just stand? That's a good message, Haley. Thank you. I love authentic Christians. People who are ready to share with you some of their journey, some of the things that they've been through. And, you know, some, I don't know everyone here, I don't know where you sit or stand so far as Christ is concerned, but I want to make an opportunity available to you this morning that if you don't know Christ, that you can find Christ here this morning. But if you'll open up your heart, he can come in and completely revolutionize your life in a way that you'll never, ever experience anything like it in the past. So...